a gun with the Florida Gators. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Just as, I was just checking to see if you were listening. From Destroyham, Louisiana. Hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey. I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. Momentum, excitement, energy. You know, I mean, they say all this stuff, and you know what they mean, but, you, you know, it doesn't describe what you mean. I mean, it's just sort of out there. You got barbecue back there? I was just worried about, you know, listening to, you know, all, all your guys' rap poison. Welcome to Sideline Judgment. Here are your hosts, Sergio and Tyler. Welcome to Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And today, Tyler, we are going to talk all about what's going to happen in week three of the 2021 college football season now our apologies for not being uh together during the last episode the week two review episode uh we had some scheduling conflicts but that's okay because through the magic of the internet and through the magic of adobe audition we were able to sound and be in the exact same episode and give our takes uh tyler i heard some of your takes i loved your description of the florida state loss it was just i love how you openly admitted that because i wasn't there with you because we weren't together you weren't as like vocal i wasn't gonna be laughing as much or like like as haha as much as i could because i didn't have you to play off of like so i I would like to dedicate is still very much present in me it just wasn't coming out and like absolutely i would just like to dedicate this moment to that laughter that what would have been and acknowledge (laughs) the fact that Florida State lost to an FCS team last week, Tyler. Oof, in the most heartbreaking fashion, too. Like, heartbreaking or hilarious? Both can be heartbreaking for a single section of people. Like Very true. Hilarious very true. for everybody else. Absolutely. Uh, and once again, like you said, I didn't mention this um, in my section, but uh, I don't ever want to hear Georgia Southern ever again from a Florida State fan. I will say my ever friend, again. my friend Blake, Florida, Florida State fan, he did say comment on my post about that. He just said, I'm just trying to be like you guys at Florida. And I, I will say <laughs> solid repost. Well done. I'll accept that one. <laughs> oh man but now that we've gotten the uh the the petty florida fandom out of the way tyler um we're gonna get into uh the five wide games for this week we're gonna get into the 330 cbs game of the week which includes our beloved florida gators going up against alabama in a sold out ben hill griffin stadium at florida field aka the swamp feels good to say um it does feel good to say but before we do those things, Tyler, we have to talk about a few things. Um, first off, if you would like to be on the Sideline Judgment newsletter, it comes out every Friday. may come out twice a week. We'll see how I'm feeling that week. But for sure, every single Friday before your game day, uh, you can send an email to sidelinejudgment at gmail.com. That is judgment with an E so that I can put you on the mailing list. You are going to get um, things that happened in the past week, my opinions on stuff that's happening in the world of college football, uh, and you will get uh, the napkin trademark, uh, which is the exclusive uh, sports and specifically college football gambling sheet 
that I have every single week, and it is the exclusive home of the napkin. I will not be tweeting the napkin this year. I will not be texting you the you napkin, the napkin this year. You got to get it on that email chain, baby. You got to get on the newsletter. I'm not going to be texting you my picks. I'm not going to be doing all this. You've got to read it on the napkin. My gambling rules are on there as well. So again, sidelinejudgment at gmail.com. That's judgment with an E. Now, Tyler, two topics in our quick hits. One of them, honestly, they both won't be quick. So I'm just going to call them the hits this week. Uh, <laughs> let's play the hits. Uh, first off, we have a coaching change. It's about damn time. Jeez. What do you mean? It's week three. It's yeah, it's maybe week three, but it's about three years too late. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, you mean about time for this specific job? I see. I thought you meant oh, during. Yeah, yeah, no, for this specific situation, for there to be a coaching change in week three, that's crazy to me. Yes, um, absolutely. And, and we're not going to acknowledge the UConn coach resigning. That doesn't, that doesn't matter. Um, no. And honestly, would you like to do the honors, Mister Los Angeles? I, I shocked UConn did not take a uh, a a um, page out of the Oscars book and just go without a coach. Um, <laughs> honestly shocked anyway um I, I would like for you to do the honors on this yes. one mr california uh clay helton has, is out at usc the university of southern california he is no longer the head football coach of the trojans marking the very brief end of knowing for an absolute fact that usc is not going to be in any national championship talks absolutely um, for just at least until they hire the coach who we would get to make that decision. <laughs> like we're now living in a brief window where it's like USC could be back to what USC is again. Maybe if they hire the right coach, there's two that I would really love them for to hire for that reason alone. We'll see if it happens, but you know, this was good. All respect to Clay Helton, but he, and he was doing like USC was the, at the worst was five and seven, which is two is not good for usc like usc no, should never be five a, and seven. That, that that is a that's defcon one levels of emergency it, it should never be USC. that bad but Correct. for the general thing clay helton was generally okay mm-hmm. but he still had that one year where the recruit recruiting was like in the 50s yeah which should never happen ever at usc um he's had several years where they've been uninspiring he's done some things well he had those that crazy sam Darnold run which was honestly just a really hot team mm-hmm um, and not systemic of the what he's able to produce. He could probably go and have a good coaching career at somewhere else, but with the expect but and a lot of coaches are like this. A lot of coaches can be good coaches and not be able to handle the pressure and expectations of what USC wants. Mm-hmm. So I think that this was a good move for USC. I'm just saying for me, uh, I get out here to the West Coast and the Pac-12 immediately. UCLA's 2-0 having beaten LSU. <laughs> Oregon beat Ohio State. USC finally fires Clay Helton in a move to like, oh, maybe we should actually be better. All it took was Washington being terrible <laughs> and me being out here to so, cause so all my, of these positive developments in the Pac-12. Like, my question was going to say, yes, all those things happened, but at what cost? <laughs> the cost is Washington. Which Jimmy Lake, I'm, I'm about to have a serious – you need to get some stuff together and make a change at offense if you yeah. want me to keep liking you. Because it doesn't yeah. matter how good of a defensive mind you are if you can't score and win football games. Absolutely. And look, that is a Washington can be a conversation for another day. Another but day. I want to go back to USC for a second. And this this may be a hot take. You may not agree with me. Um, but I think I have to say this before we go into the conversation of who we think could replace Clay Helton. First things first, Clay Helton had to go. 
We knew this. We've been talking about it for a few years. Did you know he was there for seven seasons as the head coach? And he was also in the program since 2010. So the man has been there for 10, 11 years and was the head coach for seven years. So that, with that being said, I want to say what I'm doing here. USC, if you look at their history, outside of the OJ Simpson run and outside of Pete Carroll, USC really hasn't done much. It's not like this is like a legacy type team with a rich history. Now, what they have going for them is the fact that they play in Southern California. They're a university in Los Angeles, and they have a plethora of talent and money and resources at their disposal. That, to me, is why USC should be better than what they are. But I've been seeing a lot of things um, from journalists, from just lay Twitter people, from even casual, maybe some friends of ours, where... I don't understand this whole, oh, well, you know, that's not the USC tradition. That's not how USC plays. It kind of is. What Clay Helton has been doing is USC's history. You can't, you, you can't take, it's, let me compare it to Florida because Florida is what I know best. I was going to do the same thing. Like Florida doesn't have a rich football history before Steve Spurrier. Yeah. They had, we had Emmett Smith in the eighties. We had Spurrier when he was a player, had a couple good seasons and that was it. It wasn't a big powerhouse as people like to think that Florida is. Now, Spurrier, because of who he is, and he was there a decade and did really good in a decade, and then it was a slight down period and then a drastic pickup with Urban Meyer. With USC, it was OJ Simpson in the in the sixties, and then you get to the Pete Carroll years, and that's pretty much what it's been, you know? They should be better because they're in Los Angeles, they have a lot of money and they have great resources, and they're a brand, they've done a really good job of branding themselves. But it's not like USC's this – and I think this sparked because of people saying, oh, it's a top five job in college football. I don't <laughs> agree with that statement. I don't agree with that statement because I don't think that the success that people have had there traditionally relative to the pressure that that job has makes it this like enormously I'm taking it blind job. And with that, Tyler, I lead into one of my candidates for this job. There have been reports – that James Franklin, the coach at Penn State, has mutual interest with USC. In my personal opinion, I think that you I think that it would be better for him to go take the USC job, not because of a program though. I think Penn State is a better program. It's because I want to live in Los Angeles and make a lot of money. <laughs> hey. Am I wrong? You're talking to the right guy about that. Oh. <laughs> uh, actually, I would argue. The thing, the only thing that USC has going for it, like from a that puts it on, on top of like from a desirable job perspective, why it's so desirable of a job is that like, well, yes, the history is not as special as people really tend to think it is. USC is a job. It's the same way that Oregon is. The thing that's benefiting Oregon would benefit USC, where it's just like there is no Alabama or Ohio State out here. USC, you're supposed to be that. Oregon exactly. is trying to be that and still. Doesn't have any titles really to back it up other than a couple Pac-12 championships, and it's not there at that point yet. So, you, if James Franklin is, you are still at best second fiddle in your own conference right now, and if you can build the same level of program at USC, you are likely the favorite. If maybe you're sharing time with Oregon, the path to winning a playoff game and winning a national championship is easier if you can get USC to be good again. Is that is part of the thing. That's why, to me, it makes it a desirable job because, like, USC is one of the, I would say, two or three Pac-12 jobs 
that could win a national title. The only mm-hmm. other two are Oregon for sure and maybe Washington if they get their stuff together. Washington got really close at one point, which makes leads me to believe they might be able to do it, but they're kind of on like a lower tier than Oregon. Washington needs like some special conflicts of events. Mm-hmm. Oregon and USC are the only two schools I think that have the infrastructure to be able to compete for a national championship if they get their stuff together. And because only one of them has it and they're still learning to get their stuff together, that's why to me it's a desirable job. And I think that's why, like James Franklin, you got really close to breaking through with the Trace Squirrelly teams and you didn't do it. Do you want to take the bet that you can break through over Ohio State again? Or do you want to try and take your hand out at USC, which is honestly I think would be what I would do. But Yeah. And I think and I think it also stands to say that, you know, James Franklin is probably of all the Big Twelve teams, has been the one the the one program Penn State has that has played Ohio State the best. Agreed. In in terms of in the games, right? Um yeah. so f- for me that's that's another that's another good sign that if he moves out here, I think that he can take USC and raise it up. Um, he's been rumored there before, but um, other candidates also. Uh, it's important to note that the athletic director at USC, the new athletic director, is the former athletic director at Cincinnati. And there are rumors that the job is quite literally Luke Fickles to turn down. That it, that would it, be really it's, cool. it's, a, it's on a plate for him. He just has to sign the paper. It's, it's up to him, basically. It'd be weird to see Luke Fickle leave the Ohio, like the Midwest for a coaching job, but it'd be interesting. Yeah, Yeah. Um, it would be interesting. I think football wise, it would work because we know Luke Fickle's a good football coach. I don't know if it's a fit in terms of can Luke Fickle, a lifelong Midwest guy, a lifelong Ohio guy, can Luke Fickle um, really go out there and, and understand recruiting on the West coast and, and really make in ways the way that he does in, in, Tennessees and Kentuckys and Ohio's and in Illinois, you know what I mean? Those Midwestern states, those borderline Southern states kind of thing. So that's another option. Um, there have been rumors um, that one chief's offensive coordinator, Eric B may have some interest in the job. Um, there are also, you know, and, and also Tyler, it's important to note that urban Meyer came out and said that he was, had no interest in the He's job, the which job has been we, two weeks. As we no no Tyler, please. As we know, that Urban Meyer's word is bond. It is, it is. His gold, last game Tyler. as a college head coach was a Rose Bowl victory. You think he got a taste of that and and said, <laughs> "Nah, no more." Give me a freaking break. I expect to be hiring Eric Bieniemy in four weeks. Uh, that's a joke. Uh, but uh, if it did happen, I would oh, not be shocked. Gosh. Like, and and I I will say just so it's small tangent. It's hilarious to me that one. All of national media is like Urban Meyer's taking the USC job. To me, to which I say, if it happened, totally believable because it's Urban Meyer. Wouldn't shock right. me in the world. You, you're not going to get a reaction out of me, a Jaguar and Gator fan, with with saying that because totally agree with you that could happen. The other mm-hmm. hand, it's fun to watch the Jacksonville media, specifically a couple of people, be like, it's ridiculous to think that Urban Meyer would leave so soon. To go to USC, if he wanted the USC USC job at any point in the last couple of years, he could have had it. Already, he could have had them fire Clay Hilton and make it out there. Don't it's ridiculous. I'm like, all right, calm down. If he wants the job, there's nothing keeping him here. Wait, wait. You mean you mean to tell me that the man who an hour and a half southwest of Jacksonville left Florida for chest pains, and then a year later was working on ESPN, and then a year after that was the head coach for the Ohio State Buckeyes? That guy, the very same. 
Okay, and then the same one who, after the Rose Bowl victory, said he was done with coaching because he wanted to spend more time on his health and his family. And then afterwards, probably want to say eighteen months later, was the head football coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, the that one, yeah, the same guy. Oh, okay. No, of course not. There, there's no way no, he would. Do his that, word obviously. is his bond. His word <laughs> is bond. Of course. Um, those are just some of the candidates for USC. I don't that even are really, like. I don't even really out. like am campaigning for this to happen. But if it if it did, <laughs> hey, if it did, that would mean that we could hire. Eric Bieniemy and I wouldn't be upset about that. Exactly, but we'll see. Exactly, uh, start dreaming about a Bieniemy um, Trevor Lawrence partnership Stop. now. Stop, <laughs> Tyler. Anything else you want to say about the USC job about Clay? Hill? I, Just, I think it should be said. By the way, before I'm sorry to cut you off, but I think it should be said that all the reports were that Clay Helton was a good guy. Oh, I 100% agree. The players liked him. The, everyone liked him. He just wasn't good enough at coaching the football. And you have to be good at coaching the football and recruiting the players to play and coach the football to be successful at USC. And unfortunately, he wasn't in those aspects. Uh, Anything else that you want to say before we move on? I am happy to be currently living in a a period of the next couple months or weeks where we will all lead ourselves to believe that this hire will be great and that I cannot wait for it to mess up. Like, because... You know, I, I'm happy to finally live in this space where um, that I've been campaigning for for so long that USC get back to, and it will eventually. They are going to hire some. They're going to hire a USC guy. They're going to freaking hire like Jeff Fisher or something like that. And <laughs> it's been rumored before. And yeah, you're not wrong. So preparing myself for that, but it's exciting that the first real job open. Like real job open is USC. It's a massive job. It's it's, it's not a small huge. job. It's the yeah. market is immediately set. Like right, exactly. exactly. It's funny so. because now I, I I actually applaud the USC boosters for doing this because it's like it's the phrase what what must be done eventually should be done immediately. Don't allow yourself to once again be fooled by a midseason good victory by a mediocre USC team into letting Clay Helton keep his job because he kept doing that. He kept being bad early. And being kind of okay by the end of the season, enough for them right. to be like, well, maybe next year's team will be better. They didn't right. allow that to happen again this time, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, I so agree. I applaud I them agree. actually for doing that. Week three is really early, really early. Yeah, but we'll see. We we will see, and I hope nothing but the best for that USC program. Um, and yeah, Tyler, let's uh, let's move forward to another. Another hit. I don't want to say quick, but another hit. Uh, the games. The game analysis is going to be much shorter this week, ladies and gentlemen. The bulk of the show is going to be Clay Helton and USC and the Emory Jones AR-15 discussion. Now, I understand that I said that probably 17,000 times in the last episode, um, but we're finally going to have it. Uh, Tyler, do you want to set the stage for this conversation? Um. The, the the stage, all right, the stage is set. We have two Florida has two quarterbacks. One who's the more experienced quarterback, um, both of which have very similar skill sets. Uh they're both dual threats. One, the more experienced quarterback who's been with the team longer, has waited his turn to be a red shoe junior, um, has struggled in the first two games with consistency and uh turnovers, while the backup, the younger quarterback, is more talented physical specimen has completely wowed in nothing but splash plays um, with no turnovers to speak of. Although having a much less snap count. So 
that's kind of where we're at. And it's worth noting from my perspective that first, like the first week to me, it was very much like, yeah, AR had a couple of big plays, but that doesn't mean that the offense is actually better. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and Dan Mullen said it in this, uh, in this week that AR, AR missed some reads and reads and protection checks and fans were like, why? And then AR gave an example at a press con at one of the, the press conferences and said, so there was a play I, you know, I hurdled a guy on this play, but I missed a protection check and a read. And I didn't, I didn't even find the primary receiver. There was a guy coming free and yeah, I hurdled and got positive yards, but overall it was a busted play. It was busted right. because I missed something. And it was Richard Johnson, uh, noted Florida alum said very much that it's just like, this is stuff that's interesting because this is the stuff that you get away with against FAU and USF. Exactly. You don't get away with that at Alabama. I don't care how special AR is. And we haven't seen Anthony Richardson dissect the defense play after play down the field. Now, largely because he hasn't needed to because he scores touchdowns in like three plays. Um, so it's a very Lamar Jackson problem. Like <laughs> where Emory Jones for sure is better understanding of the offense, but Emory Jones's big problem that we've seen so far is that he will turn the ball over and he doesn't stop turning the ball over once he does it the first time. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the stage that we're set at. That's where the two quarterbacks are at. And a lot of the fan base knows what side they want to be on, but the coaches don't seem convinced. So thank you for that, because I think you said that much, much calmer and much um, oh. you were able to explain that much better than I would have. OK, uh, launching off of that. To your last point, the fan base and to the extent some of the media have decided what side they're on and that side is anthony richardson right it's it's it is perfect tyler it's it is quintessentially the perfect story a gainesville kid for sure who goes who goes to east side who if you are from the lateral county or went to florida you know where east side is who went to east side wore 15 because he grew up watching tebow shown out at his school four-star recruit all this every single school comes to his house and he says i'm a gator i'm a gator I'm a Gator. I'm a Gator. Commits like a sophomore year, something crazy like that. Comes in, red shirts his first year, learns under Mullen, is the backup to Emery, who is the backup to Trask at the time. Just absorbing, right? Local kid. Gets thrown in, right? Because he is athletic and he's and Mullen is using him sporadically, right? It's not like he's not going to play at all if he's not the starter. Yeah. There's Mullen is working him in really well. And I think he's using his strengths in a good way while he continues to learn the playbook comes in, wows us all with the explosive plays. But just like you said, and just like the example that AR 15 gave, there are a lot of things in the offense that I don't think AR is ready for right now. I'm not saying that AR by the end of the season won't have that under his belt. I'm not saying that AR is bad. I think of the two quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson is a better, is a more talented quarterback in my opinion. I like him as a talent more than Emory Jones. But what Emory Jones has is A, the familiarity of the system, B, three years under Mullen. This is the first recruit quarterback that Mullen handpicked to run the offense at Florida, his first big-time player, five-star recruit out of Georgia. He's excessively talented. He may not be as athletic and as physical of a specimen as Anthony Richardson, but he's got talent. He can move, and he's – 
orchestrating the offense. And I think one of the underrated points is the entire locker room is behind him. The locker room is not out here saying, coach, you have to start Anthony Richardson. Coach, you know, that's not the guy, whatever. Everyone from Mullen to the water boy, everyone in between is behind Emory Jones. Now, there are some things that Emory Jones needs to work on. For example, when he makes a mistake, it seems like it flusters him to a point where he allows it to mess with him for the rest of the game. Prime example we talked about in the FAU game, first game of the season. After the pick, seemed like he was different. He was benched, quote unquote. I don't know if it was benched or if it was just Anthony Richardson's turn to take a drive, which is kind of what Mullen has been doing. But Anthony Richardson has that incredible Cam Newton type play down the field, wonderful, but the helmet comes off. And so Emery has to come in. Emery not only takes one play, but I think Mullen leaves him in there to try to get some red zone reps to build his confidence back up. Three plays, go for it on fourth down. We don't get any points on that one. In that little section in the red zone, there's a play where Emery throws the ball into a corner with four receivers, with four defensive players covering one receiver. Now, I'm not a quarterback at a D1 school. I'm not a quarterback at a D3 school. I'm not a quarterback. But I know that you can't throw the ball there with four defenders there. Like that's something that I know that he's better than that and he knows, but he may have just been in his head too much where he would make that decision. I'm not giving that I'm giving him a pass for that because that was the moment when I texted you and I said, I think Anthony Richardson needs to start being needs to be the starter. Because I believe that if Anthony Richardson is thrown in there, he is talented enough where he can learn the playbook faster. He can trial by fire type thing. So I actually agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's that as much as so I the first week was very much like Anthony Richardson looks great. Emory Jones struggled. Let's give it more time. And it, I want to preface this that the offense is still scored like minimum 42 points in both their games. Like it, so, it's like over 400 yards. We've and, I think we've had over 400 yards for the past like eight games we've played. I, and I like sent 12, you something on like, Twitter. To, I like sent you something on Twitter games. today. Yeah, I sent you that graphic today on Twitter, and the caption was, "If you told a Florida fan this in 2016, they'd have a they'd be convulsing." And I was like, "Yeah, you're 100 yeah, right. right." Like, <laughs> um, so yeah, um, it's Anthony Richardson. I think should be the starter right now, just because like it's now clear two games the just massive difference that his talent has brought. But the thing mm-hmm. that I think that the fan base is not understanding that I want them to understand is that like, and this is that he is going to make some decisions that Emory Jones, Emory Jones makes turnover decisions because I feel like he's pressing. Anthony Richardson doesn't know the offense as much. He's going to make mistakes just because he doesn't know what he's doing as much probably. Now right. trial by fire and starting experience are a huge part of this. He will probably, and they're, they're going to, they're going to work around it. I think Anthony Richardson right now gives us the best chance to win the most games, even with the, the lumps that he has. Agreed. Um, but I also think that like it's not going to be perfect. He's not. This is not going to be a Heisman season for I think anybody on this roster. No. And that's totally okay. I I think that. I mean, honestly, the biggest thing is that is that uh, Anthony Richardson's hamstring is still kind of like it's still something that we got to monitor. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a reason that I think, while I think Anthony Richardson should be the starter, I do understand for right now why Mullen is not starting him. Correct. Um, it's, well, he's it, not going to start him for the Bama game, I imagine, because his hamstring. Um, 
and it's not going to matter one way or the other, but, um, just, just going to be completely honest. Like, exactly. Uh, um, but I do think that, I think Florida is a good team with both, with both quarterbacks. I think Anthony Richardson is a, makes him a better team. And I agree. I don't know. We'll have to see how it plays out. I mean, the good news is that like one way or another, I, Anthony Richardson is the starter next season, in my opinion. Yeah. Barring yeah. any sort of massive injuries or I, Honestly, honestly, I think Anthony Richardson might be the starter against Tennessee next week. I don't disagree because – And it, that's the other thing. Do you want his first start to be against Nick Saban? Do that's you want my point. That? That's my thing. I, I'm asking myself that, and I'm just like, is it better to take the L in this one game and not start him so that – he's not as broken down in the next two years. We're going to use him Mm -hmm. because, and this is me, you know, this is me being unfortunately hyper realistic. Maybe I don't know, pessimistic, but like not going to kid myself. I don't think it matters who we start. I don't think this team can beat Alabama. Can I, can I put a little envelope or a little parentheses there with that point before you go on? I don't think it matters who we start with number one, because I don't think we beat Bama, but number two, if you've noticed First game, it was like 80-20, Emory. USF, it was like 60-40, Emory. I think we go 50-50 here against Alabama. I, I think Mullen's doing that. So if we're going 50-50, who cares if he's the one in the first drive? I yeah. want him at the last drive if we're relatively close. I said this to Stephen Peters in a bar, in a bar with a bunch of other Gator alum, and I was just like, "The first drive doesn't matter. Like, Who cares? Uh, it's like, scripted anyway." The first it, did being a fan under Jim McWayne teach you nothing. The first drive never <laughs> matters. Like, like that's so true. Like, we would drive down the field and get a field goal. <laughs> I I have seen people literally be like, there was one time during it was. Two years ago in a South Carolina game, we the Florida Gators had not even received the ball yet. They hit it, it's just South Carolina's first drive. They scored a touchdown. Somebody said, We're losing this game. Like, how can you possibly <laughs> think that or know that in this moment? Like, yeah, yeah. only in I'm the sense you. that, like, I'm if you, you thought we were losing before, great. But the first drive should never affect the way you think for the what should never change what you think for the rest of the game. If it continues right. to happen, yes. But it was like Emory Jones didn't score a touchdown on the first drive. And Steven's just like in in massive, like, I don't want to say depression, but he's like all up in his feelings about it. And I'm just like, dude, it doesn't like. And listen, I, I love and adore our beloved uh, Eagles fan. He's the best. Friend. He's the best. And, and, and I love fans like Steven, like our friend Day Day, like fans that take things to the extreme because they care. They genuinely care. And I love that more than anything. But I also think it's important to take a step back and look at the reasoning behind things. I don't think Mullen is doing anything wrong. I also think that it's a little bit – I if I'm going to give any coach in the country the benefit of the doubt with yes. quarterbacks, yes. it is yes. Daniel Mullen. All right? Yes, 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 yes. I am going to say – and I said and I said this – I texted this in our fantasy football group chat. I love you guys and you guys – it was – during the Holy War last Saturday, we were talking about the Gators and the quarterback stuff. And I said, listen, if I'm going to give anyone a pass, it's Dan Mullen, number one. Number two, the man has developed all of these quarterbacks. And I, listen, personally, I would start Emery. If Sergio was the head football coach for the Gators, I would be starting – I'm sorry. I would be starting Anthony Robinson, not Emery. Richardson. I would be starting Anthony Robinson. I think he's better. And I think at this point, trial by fire. 
But I am not going to be here second guessing, slandering Mullen and saying that he needs to go or he doesn't know what he's doing if he's going to go with Emery and run this dual quarterback plan like he says he will. Like, I'm going to trust that man to know what he's doing with the quarterbacks. Okay. I, I really am. And so for me, I may not agree with the decision, but I can understand it and I can give him the time. And I think that we should make this assessment before the Georgia game rather than the third game of the season against Alabama in a game that we're probably going to lose. And it's our first actual and, like and serious competitive game. And that's the thing is the, uh, that's the other part. We have played two group of five teams in the meantime, one that's very bad USF. Yes. And, USF. and the other one that's good, but also a step down below us in competition. Like, Correct. The, sorry, Ro, but that's just the truth. Like, no, no, no. See, I was just hoping that you were going to clarify that USF was the bad one. That's where I was going to say. USF is the bad one for sure. Thank you very like, much. That was for Ro. Um, that was for you, Dad. It was a good just team, but know. it's not the same level of like, again, that stuff that Anthony, that Anthony Richardson misses that we, the fans, don't see because we don't get the call to play. We don't know the protections. I don't even know the defense. Mm-hmm. That's the tough thing when you're a coach is that – and Mullen's right. You should not think about it being like, well, he got everything wrong in the play, but at least he scrambled. So, like, I have nothing to say about that. No, you teach that moment. Like that, that is how That is how a fan thinks and not how a developer of quarterbacks thinks. Yeah. So, so just – it's good. It's g- great to have a quarterback that can make splash plays when things break down. But it, it's more of you have to understand. And I think I'm just really what I'm trying to do is prepare fans for Anthony Richardson to throw his first interception against Alabama. Because, like, if it doesn't maybe, happen, great. Maybe maybe his first two. It's probably going to happen. Because yeah. I don't know if he's going to have three three for three for 152 yards to Jacob Copeland against Alabama. I just really don't know if that's going to happen. Like, yeah. And I just really doubt that it will. And do I think he's going to score points? Absolutely, I think he's going to score points. But that's this is a different level of competition. It's weird to go from one end of the, of the pool just straight to the other end with no middle ground, which is going to be most of our competition. Tennessee, mm-hmm. South Carolina, Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky, Missouri. Those defenses are going to be the type that are not as talented as Bama, can be as complicated as them, but will be easier to, to defeat. But they're harder than the defenses we faced thus far. You're going against one of the most complicated defenses in the country in your next game. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's great for it, it. This this game being right here is great for one thing, and that's TV ratings. And also, <laughs> for no other aspect of Florida does it help. Like, I thought I thought you were going to say it to be a metric stick, but I like that better. No, no, no um, just like I, it being in week three is 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 really only helpful for Florida because of TV ratings. <laughs> right. And and I I think that's a great way to put a button on the quarterback conversation, and we can transition into. The actual game, which is 3.30, the CBS game of the week. I got to do it every time. Sorry. It's just the thing. No, I agree. Um, I I don't want to do the traditional, what do you want to see from the offense? What do you want to see for the defense? Because we kind of mentioned it within the quarterback conversation. We talked about the offense. Yeah, Um, right. Um, But I think that it's important uh, to note with this game that if and probably when we lose, it is not the end of the season. Yes, it is not the end of the season. It is not the end of the season in years past. If we have lost an SEC game early, it might be, if not the end of the season, life support um, because we don't play Alabama at the beginning of the year. Right. We can lose a game and beat Georgia and see Alabama again in Atlanta. Yeah. That, that's it's really what it is. The, the the game that you can say the season's over with is the Georgia game. Yeah. And we can talk about that in a month and a half or however, 
excuse me, I think, yeah, I think it's about six weeks away. But So it's not the end of the year. We're going up against the greatest college football coach of all time. Uh, it is clear that even though he lost God knows how many draft picks, it's still it clicking. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I had to – I had to – I've still told the story a million times at this point this this in season five. But I'm going to say it again. I was talking to another friend, Anthony. He's just like, well, you know, how do you – do you know that it's going to be another good Saban team? And I said, yes. Like, <laughs> the worst team he's had since his first team that, you know, this first year, the absolute lowest number of games that – uh the highest number of games he's lost in a season is two. Ten and two is his worst record since like two thousand seven. Like, yeah, it's it's very difficult to beat a Nick Saban Alabama team. Um, listen, I'm excited. I'm I'm never going to lose faith in the Gators. Um, I will I will be there at three thirty in my in my Anthony Richardson t shirt, which I have. Um, oh my god, that's amazing! <laughs> I do, I do. In my Anthony Richardson t shirt, um, watching the game and hoping. And at three twenty five on Saturday, I'm gonna look to Alexa. I'm gonna look to Vincent. I'm gonna look to the people I'm watching the game with. I'm gonna say we're winning this football game. Do yeah. I believe it? No. no. Am I gonna say it? Absolutely. Will I be glad that if if I'm wrong and we win the football game? Of course, we might need an emergency podcast if that happens. Yeah, like, we're going to need an emergency podcast. We're going we're to need one. Um, and in order for us to win this game, we need to make sure we are containing Bryce Young. We need to make sure that Michi is kind of shut down. And we need secondary's to make sure that... play real well. Yes, secondary's got to play really well. And it's quite unfortunate because uh, a staple of our defense, um, it will be out for the rest of the season. Our linebacker, Ventrell Miller, who is a veteran leader of this team he had surgery for a torn bicep he will be out for they said indefinitely and i read in the athletic that they did the surgery so immediately after like it happened on saturday um because there's hope that he's back for the postseason so okay. maybe he can be like a force at the end of the season for maybe the conference championship game if we get there or a big bowl game or stuff like that so um hopefully that happens uh, but we will be without him so the linebackers need to step up I'm very comfortable with our defensive line. One place where Alabama typically beats you is in the trenches. And I'm actually comfortable with how our defensive line can hold up against Bama's offensive line. Do I think that we're going to be able to get to Bryce Young a lot and and get a bunch of sacks and kind of treat him how we treated Bo Nix when they came to town a couple years ago? No. But I think they may be enough to give some support to the secondary so that it doesn't seem like they're just out there no pun intended, but on islands, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's how I feel with, with, uh, with that game. Yeah. Honestly, my, my biggest question for the whole team is, will this, will this offense be able to run the ball on Alabama? Will this online running backs and quarterbacks be able to run at all? Because last year's team, honestly, last year's offense didn't matter if you could run against Alabama. It didn't matter. Like right. passing offense was that good. They didn't even really that try that much. Like, and they, they right. still dropped forty six. Like, um, mm -hmm. but this team with the way that this offense is structured needs its running game, and they they focus more on the passing game against USF, and that still got some of the job done. Mm -hmm. But I, this is a team that is going to be built so heavily off the read option, the zone read. It's going to be built so heavily off of sharing the running duties with its quarterbacks and its running backs and the offensive line. Can the, is the offensive line good enough? Are the running backs good enough? to run against Alabama to keep that part of the game open. That's going to be the biggest thing to me. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree. If, if Alabama completely shuts the run game down, it's going to be a long night. Yeah, or a quick one. <laughs> or a quick one, yeah. Or a quick one. Um, so uh, that, that's pretty much all I have to say about the game. Um, I'm excited for it. Yeah. Um, game day is actually going to Auburn, Penn State. I kind of wish it was going to Gainesville, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, and, yeah, I, I just hope we look – I hope there's progress. And, honestly, I hope that Anthony Richardson looks, looks like he could hold up against a team yeah. at the caliber of Alabama. Because if he can – Mullen's going to ride the hot hand, and if Mullen's riding the hot hand, and if Anthony Richardson can deal with it, we may be in for an upset. You know, hopefully we cover and stuff like that. So, all that jazz. We'll see. I will, we'll if see. we won, I, I'd lose my mind. <laughs> I'm, I pretty much agree with you, my friend. Um, so uh, that's I a good note to end it on. And this absolutely on. like Tyler. Let's move forward to our five wide this week. Um, this week has so last week we should say. We were talking about, oh, it's not the best week, whatever. It was a great week of college football. Yeah, it was a great week. It ended up being fantastic. I had a great time. Yes. So I think that this week's got some some uh, high expectations given what happened last week. Uh, you go first this week on five wide. And the first game that we'll talk about is number. <laughs> Get through it. This OK, this game isn't on here because we think it's going to be a good game. This game this is on here. here. I did put it on here because it's a historic rivalry that's being played. Just like the backyard brawl is going to be on here, it doesn't mean it's going to be a good game. Okay, uh, Nebraska is taking on Oklahoma in Norman. It is a twelve o'clock Eastern kickoff, eleven o'clock local time on Fox. It is the big noon game of the week. We got Gus Johnson calling it. Um, Tyler, you go first. You spend however long you want to spend on this uh, this training session for those Sooners. Okay, so Nebraska's not going to win this game. Um, just saying it. But I am excited. I'm actually very excited to watch it. Um, but um, yeah, this is this is basically a tune-up, uh, but a little bit of a higher angle tune-up. Like I just have no faith in Nebraska really putting up a dangerous level of fight. Like I really don't. Like even though Oklahoma has been kind of up and down these two games they played, like I just don't trust. Nebraska to be able to deliver anything over a sustained period of four quarters that would overcome Oklahoma. So, I mean, I'm going to pick Oklahoma, obviously. Um, in fairness, you already wrote it down. Um, of course. Yeah. I don't know. Come on. I mean, like in fairness, Nebraska won their last game, you know, they're, they're, they're not Owen two. they beat Buffalo. Um, I think it was Buffalo. It's just, it was, I want the Scott Frost thing to work out. I just, I really don't feel it's going to. And this is, this should, this should not be a, a decision made on that. Cause I don't even think if it was going better, it would matter. But like, um, <laughs> but it's just kind of Listen, indicative that I, I just have no, there's just, I don't have any faith in Nebraska's going to put up a meaningful fight against this team. I think they're outmatched. I think they're outcoached. I think they're out schemed. And, my actual question from this game is now that USC has fired Clay Helton, does Nebraska just say, well, they did it. We might as well do it now too. And pull the trigger. Maybe. After the game. Maybe. <laughs> this might be ugly. And, and for those that don't remember, don't know, uh, Nebraska, Oklahoma was a massive rivalry in the old big eight. Um, yeah. This is like legendary. Uh, this is these teams hate each other. Over the offseason, 
Nebraska tried to like move this game off the schedule because I feel like they realized, oh, we're going to get blown out. And the Nebraska fans were like, what are you doing? You can't. We don't duck from Oklahoma. We fight them and go and hit them in the mouth. And it's like, okay, but this administration was trying to do you guys a favor. Um, And so they ended up having to play the game. So I'm with you, Oklahoma. I'm not overthinking this. If you have Oklahoma players in your fantasy football lineup, start them. Start them. Start them. Start them. Baby. Yeah, baby. Um, I have Eric Gray, but he's just not a part of the offense as much. (laughs) Yeah. So I did actually, I, I will benched. say, I changed quarterbacks. I added a new quarterback. Uh, Who'd you pick up? I picked up the Western Kentucky quarterback. because. <laughs> Do you, I ha, So I have Carson Strong, Sam Howell, and I also picked up Anthony Richardson for the long run. <sighs> yeah, I picked him up after week one. I was like, this is going to work I out. I submitted a bid seven. for that. I, I guess it didn't go through because if you missed yeah, that I, bid me. I bid, I bid $15 for moral reasons. <laughs> okay all right I, and i'm and i'm happy that my 15 dollars were the Won ones it. that, that yeah the, i guess yeah, mine didn't it, go so. through because i bid more than that but like um, I, I i felt you like, have to click have submit to submit <laughs> it is affected all of us courtney mims if you're a friend of the pod original original first guest if you're listening to this Gotta remember click to hit submit. submit you can't keep blaming the app like <laughs> Same with Austin. I think Austin tried to do that too, and Just it didn't work use out. Use your for computer. Him. <laughs> anyway, um, we've gotten sidetracked. That's how bad Oklahoma is going to be. Nebraska. The next yeah. game is Cincinnati on the road, taking on Indiana. It is a noon kickoff on ESPN. Probably the better of the two noon games. Um, I pick first. I'm going to go with Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati oh, really? has. <laughs> Cincinnati plays Indiana this week. They're off next week. And then they play Notre Dame the week after. I think it's a shame. I think it's a a shame that these two teams decided to be so bad when um, Cincinnati was so good uh, as a way. Um, They colluded as a way to keep the group of five out of the playoff. Or even out of the conversation of the potential playoff. Um, yeah, and they're both road games for Cincinnati, so it's not even like they were like, oh, well, they played them at home with the big energy and crowd. No, 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 no. On the road. Um, as much as I loved last year's Indiana team, uh, this Cincinnati team is well coached, good players. They had a lot of returning starters and good starters, not like returning starters that are bad. Um, they, yeah, I like Cincinnati. I I think it's competitive to an extent, question mark. Um Nah. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be nice here. But I think Cincinnati's yeah. going to roll over them. Okay. Cincinnati, it, it's been looking like one of those teams. They've been looking like one of those dominating teams to me. They so, they are looking like one of the dominating like teams. Notre Dame might put up a fight just because Notre Dame and Notre Dame has still put up fights, at least mm-hmm. even though they're not very good in my opinion, they're putting up fights. I, mm-hmm. I don't think – I think Indiana's going to get smacked. Okay, so speaking of Notre Dame, Jack Cohn, signs of life. I don't understand it. I don't like. I don't understand it. Like, where was this? I guess it's just the Wisconsin effect. Like, do you, do quarterbacks when they arrive at Wisconsin, with the exception of Russell Wilson, do they like have like a like a TSA screening procedure where they take away all of your like creativity and and, and ability to read routes and all everything and and all they do is they the teach team was you just down when Russell Wilson came in like it must have yeah they must have like had a, an internal server error or whatever but all you know all of a sudden it just it got deleted and Russell Wilson just and was you know reset when you go to get your creativity as a quarterback back 
Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, Jack Cohn showed up. It showed up in uh, in South Bend, and they just reset him to factory settings. And it was like, whoa, oh my gosh, look at this. Um, <laughs> anyway, the next game uh, five hey, wide. All I gotta say is the fear of death has really put a lot of life into this into that in this uh, that offense. Like, yeah, how, how to make my quarterback more aware. Step one, remove offensive line. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, um, let's head down to an SEC game, Tyler. Yeah. Tulane taking on Ole Miss at the Grove in Oxford. It is an 8 o'clock kickoff on ESPN2. It is the first home game. I think it's the first home game for Ole Miss. Um, uh, I believe so. They didn't play anyone last week. They, they, didn't, I know they, they, were, they were off last week. They so, were off. They, they, had did, the, uh, they played Louisville. Exactly, um, exactly. So second game of the year for Ole Miss. Um, first home game, Tulane looked really good week one against Oklahoma. I'm of the belief that if that game was played in New Orleans, as was supposed to, as was intended, if not for the hurricane, Tulane probably gets Oklahoma just because they were so sloppy and and just kind of getting things yeah. in. But um, I like Tulane heading on the road to take on Ole Miss. Um, I like their team. I like their uniforms, as we say on this pod a thousand times. Nicest uniforms in college football. Um, but you pick first, so I would need to know about who to say, you are going to be able to about pick. about to say. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm going with Ole Miss, I think. You can put me down for that one too, sir. So, like, this team, I think Julian's really good, well-coached, all those, all the same words and descriptions that you used. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ole Miss looks really good. Like, Ole Miss – how about that defense? Defense is playing really well from compared to what I thought it would. Matt Corral still like, well, I don't know if I would draft Matt Corral to be my team's quarterback. He is a productive college quarterback. Like he, he, I would even go a step further. I don't even think he's a productive college quarterback. He is the prototypical Lane Kiffin. I would agree with that. Yeah, he is. He looks like Lane built him in a lab for what he wanted to do. Um, I like him a lot. I think he's good for that system. I agree with you. I, I like Tulane, but I think that. Lane is going to be um, Lane Kiffin rather <laughs> is going to be throwing the ball a lot. I think it's going to be good. And I like what um, I think his name is Trickett. He's the former FAU defensive coordinator. He was he, last year. FAU. I watched a lot of FAU. Um, oh, really? They. Oh, really? They were really good defensive team, but the offense was kind of anemic. It reminded me of 2015 Florida in, in terms of like the offense just couldn't get it going, but. The defense was outstanding. The defense carried those games. Uh, Lane Kiffin noticed, took the defensive coordinator, and he's now the defensive coordinator there at Ole Miss, and it looks like he's got those guys playing really, really well. Now, how much of that was Louisville. Louisville's offense versus how much of it was to um, Oklahoma? Oh, my gosh, my words. Ole Miss's defense? Who knows? I just know that that coordinator has a track record of playing really good defense, so I'm going to lean on the side of the Ole Miss defense and I like Lane's offense as well. I'm all aboard the Lane train. We both got Ole Miss. Awesome. Uh, next game, the number 22 ranked Auburn Tigers heading into Happy Valley to take on future USC head coach and his yeah, current team, uh, the Penn State Nittany Lions, 7.30 on ABC. This is the um, Fowler and Herb Street game. This is the site of college game day. This is a whiteout. Uh, this is a Penn State victory, in my opinion. Uh I don't think think, so. Listen, this is um, what's his name? The coach for Auburn, the dude that won't get a vaccine. Brian Harson. There we go. Um, Brian Harson. It is. This is his first true test. 
no offense, Brian Harson, you ain't never seen nothing like a whiteout at Penn State. The Auburn players have played in an Iron Bowl, have played in massive football games. You ain't never seen nothing like a whiteout in Happy Valley. I it's gonna be I a fun think game to watch. He, I, it is going to be a beautiful television football game. Like this is what you think of with college football when it's like, oh, beautiful. I think of the UC the the battle for LA, the UCLA blue with the USC red. I think of uh I think of the backyard brawl in the mountains and the rural areas of West Virginia and Pittsburgh and tough people and stuff. I think of Penn State, all white uniforms. Yeah. It's going to be a fun game to watch. And I think that this Penn State defense is really good. I liked what I saw against Wisconsin. Um, I liked what I saw last week. I think they're a good football team. I do. And and I don't know if they're like a fantastic team, but they are definitely better than Auburn. You know? I hear you. And in a lot of ways, I agree. But I'm actually, I'm going to go Auburn for this because one, I kind of want to be different. Um, okay, but also for a real from a real perspective, I don't trust Sean Clifford. Um, okay, but here's the thing: I just I don't, don't trust Sean Clifford either. But if Sean Clifford can give me two good throws in the Wisconsin game for touchdowns, that they win sixteen ten on the road in the first game of the year, I think Sean Clifford can give me two or three of those throws at home. Yeah, against an Auburn team with a new coach. Uh, a new defensive system for those players in their first real test of the season. Yeah, and part of it is part of it is surprise for me because Auburn has only played so far two like two lower level teams, and mm-hmm. they have not really shown anything beyond that. And they've dominated, but Auburn right. always kind of beats those teams up. Like, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I'm kind of going with surprise factor here in the sense that like I would like to be surprised to see. Auburn's defense is probably still going to be really good. I, I don't doubt that. Um, mm-hmm. th- them come in, them shut Sean Clifford down. We get a bo- we get good Bo Nix, which unlikely because it's considering it's on the road, but um, possible. Um, I'm you and I were the- both there at the game with uh, against Florida yeah. when it seemed like the moment was too big for Bo Nix. You're right. However, that was as, as a freshman – and I don't think it changed too much to him being a junior, but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll see. You I, don't I have think, to drag him that like that. You have to drag him like that. The Penn State wideout thing I think will be a huge factor, but I'm, I'm going to go with shock here. <laughs> I'm going to go with the unlikely but possible, very possible outcome of Auburn pulling out a win. So, All right. I'm going to be different. You keep being different, my friend. As long as it's in stuff like this, where I'm pretty confident I'm going to win, you keep being different. Uh, <laughs> this is how I okay. build a good lead for the it's rest okay. of the season. It's all right. It's okay. Final game for five wide. The number 19th ranked Arizona State Sun Devils taking on the number 23 ranked BYU Cougars. It is a 10-15 kickoff on ESPN. It is Pac-12 after dark, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, for Tyler, it's just a primetime game. Ugh. Tyler, you pick first. Mr. I've abandoned uh, Mr. Angelino. You pick first. Jeez. Uh, who do you want in this game? Hmm. Uh, it's at BYU, correct? Yes. Okay. All right. 
what do we know about Arizona State this year? Because I'm going to be completely absolutely honest. Absolutely nothing. I don't know anything about Arizona State. Like, Dude, absolutely. I was thinking the same thing. Like, I have no idea what has been going on with this team. I know that they have had, um, you know, they're kind of sort of under investigation with the NCAA for COVID violations. And um, I should say they were bringing recruits on campus during a dead period. It's not COVID violations. I don't want to do that. Um, there are two games of the year. SUU, don't know who that is, 41 to 14, they won. UNLV, 37 to 10 in week two, both games at home. This game is on the road. This game is in Provo. And, well, you pick first, so you go ahead, my friend. Just, I am going to. Mm, this is tough um, because like I when I saw BYU-Utah, great game. I wasn't super like blown away with anything that, uh, you know, um, BYU was doing. They just played better. I'm going to put this is solely a, this is solely a Jaden Daniels pick. I'm going to put some wow. faith in Arizona State and I'm going to I'm going to pick Arizona State to come out with a victory. This is interesting because Arizona State is my Pac-12 team. As you know, very rare. My Pac-12 team's not doing me a lot of favors right now, so um, <laughs> your Pac-12 team doesn't have an offense. Um, <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's your Pac-12 true. team, on, at least on the offensive side of the ball, thinks 2007 doesn't um, have an offense or a win. Oh. Ooh, pow, pow, pow! And they played an FCS team. Pow, pow, pow! Um, I'm actually going to go with BYU. <gasps> I, I am. And this is not like what you said to be different. Like, no, I, I, as much as I love Jaden Daniels and that's my boy and I love Herm, uh, that's my guy as well. I liked what I saw last week. It, again, like you said, it wasn't the most impressive. They just played better than Utah. But I watched Utah lose in Provo. Listen, more ladies and gentlemen, the Mormon community, those of you that live in Provo, Utah, um, I need to know. What you do to get excited for this game because you don't drink coffee, you don't drink alcohol. What is it? What do you do? How are you this <laughs> hype? How are you make how why do you sound like um why do you sound like Jordan Hare Stadium? I know those people in Auburn are drinking. I don't know about <laughs> you guys. So let me in on the secret, man. Like maybe I can get my health a bit more in order. I've been working out, I've been eating healthier, I'm trying to do good. And like maybe I can just add that next step where I'm still litty, litty, but like, you know, like what is it? What is it? I think the atmosphere is gonna play a part. I think BYU is having a great week and a half with the Big 12 entrance and with, you know, this win against in the Holy War first time in close to a decade. Um, I don't think it's a letdown after that. I I do think that it keeps rolling and and um, like what you said, you, I think you said it in the last episode, you said typically um, it happens with the team. It's not the team that you expect. It's the, the year after. Yeah. Right. Peyton Manning never won a, never won a, a national championship and Will he never be beat Florida. Florida. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's my guy. Yeah. Uh, we're on the same page. Um, but the year after they won a national title, you know, this BYU team, you know, if they had played their original power five schedule like they did last year during COVID – um, or during the COVID year with Zach Wilson, at quarterback, they would have made a whole bunch of noise. You know, mm-hmm. I'm thinking this year they're going to be better. I think, you know, they may not break to the top 10, but I, I think they can beat Arizona state. And, you know, for my sake here, um, I hope so for the point, but I think 
I wouldn't be disappointed if Arizona State got the win and Jaden Daniels was like, oh, yeah, he uh, he reminded me why I should have picked him in the first place. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I mean, it's a tough call, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. But it's going to be – it's a fun nightcap. I'm, I'm excited for that to be the game that I wind down the evening to. So, very happy with that. Um. All right, Tyler. Two-point conversions coming up. I go first. Hmm. It's a lot of interesting, good two-point style games this week. There are. There are a lot of interesting two-point style games. Um, some games to note that didn't make the five wide. Virginia Tech at West Virginia. That's a noon kickoff on FS1. Uh, Michigan State at Miami. It's a noon kickoff on ABC. Um, what else here? Uh, podcasting. We do such a good job. This is what we're doing. Minnesota, Colorado, Purdue versus Notre Dame. There you go. Minnesota, Colorado, uh, Virginia, State, North Forest. Carolina, Florida State, Wake Forest. Interesting game. Baylor versus Iowa. Kansas. Kansas for the freaks out there. For the freaks, Baylor and Can- oh, Baylor and Kansas. Yeah, that is for the freaks. Um, all right, Tyler. Stanford I think versus I've, Vanderbilt for the nerds. I think I've made my pick. Okay. Um. Also, USC all right, let versus me, let Washington me, State. Let me go. All right, let me do it. I am gonna take. Ooh. Okay. All right. You ready for this? All right, I'm ready. Give it to me. I am going to take West Virginia to beat Virginia Tech. Ooh, I like it. This I like game it. Has Justin Fuente meltdown written all over it. Oh, I like that. They're the 15th ranked team in the country. They're on the road in Morgantown. I like what's been happening in Morgantown the past couple of years. It is a steady trajectory. Good Lord. There you go. They've been improving. I think this is a moment where Justin Fuente kind of lets his guard down a bit. Yeah, and I don't trust Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech I don't, I don't from, know. A, it's, from a it was sustained like, perspective. Like, I know. It was like calling out to me, but I didn't want to do it. So that's going to be my two point. I'm going to take West Virginia to beat um, Virginia Tech. And that game is a 12 o'clock kickoff on FS1. Tyler, nice. what is your two point? All right. A lot of good games this week, but I, I know exactly which one I want. Mm-hmm. As soon as it's not pulling up, but that's okay. So I'll figure out the time in just a moment. Um, that's okay. I'm taking the Memphis Tigers over the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Um, Ooh, okay. Mississippi are State. you in a? Are you in similar to me where I'm down on Justin Fuente and you're kind of down on Mike Leach for this week? A little bit in the sense that, um, yeah, for like this week because uh, the Mississippi State snuck it out the first week. They played really well mm-hmm. against NC State last week. They did. They played really um, both well. Teams I, are undefeated. Well, can I can I can I push back on that one? I think the okay. NC State game was NC State moved the ball really well. They just kind of like didn't get points, which yeah. was weird. Um, but credit to Mississippi State, credit to Mike Leach, credit to that team for for being able to stay with it no. and keep pushing. And it's stuff, a so. good win. That is a good win for them to get. Absolutely, to NC State. absolutely. This is just me believing that I don't believe in this type. From what I've seen from Mississippi State, they're going to also win a third one in a row. Like, mm, okay, makes they sense. have a little bit more trust in what Memphis is brings to the table from a consistency mm-hmm. standpoint than I do what Mike Leach brings to the table at this current stage of his program. Who's at home for this game? Uh, I think Memphis is at home. Oh, okay, so it's not in Starkville. 
Yeah, Memphis is at home. You're right. I'm, yeah, yeah I, I do know Memphis is at home because they have been tweeting, don't bring any artificial noisemakers into the stands. <laughs> to which, that's not going to work. It won't matter, but like that's not going to work. Um, they, they're bringing their capos in there. They um, are. It's a 4 o'clock kickoff Eastern on ESPN2. So that's a 1 o'clock kick for you, Tyler. 1 o'clock. Got it. So be on. There you go. Take my mind off of the Bama game. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think Memphis is going to be able to pull this one out just, be, just because I don't. I feel like Mississippi State's going to fall flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is, I feel like yeah. this is I'm catching them at the right time. Listen, I, I I I like the pick. I think you made a great choice. You made a great choice. Um, all right, Tyler. The score to date: I have nine points. You have seven. That's mm-hmm. before we go into this week's five wide. Which, to recap, is Nebraska taking on Oklahoma. Twelve o'clock kickoff on Fox. We both have Oklahoma. Cincinnati taking on Indiana. Twelve o'clock kickoff on ESPN. We both have Cincinnati. The SEC game of the week. I can't believe I keep going with that bit. Uh, Tulane taking on Ole Miss. That's an 8 o'clock kickoff on ESPN2. We both have be, Ole well, Miss. It's going to be more competitive than the, than the actual SEC game of the week. So Stop it. Have some faith. See, I'm already doing it. I'm saying things I don't believe in. I'm already <laughs> saying things I don't believe in. You know, deep down, you agree with me. <laughs> Hush. Number 22, Auburn taking on Penn State, 10th ranked, 7.30 Eastern on ABC. That's the Herbie game. Game day was also there. Tyler has Auburn. I have Penn State. And then the nightcap, uh, Arizona State, 19th ranked, taking on the 23rd ranked BYU Cougars, 10-15 Eastern on ESPN. Tyler has Arizona State. I have BYU. My two-point of the week, West Virginia over Virginia Tech. Um, noon kickoff on FS1. Tyler's two-point of the week, Memphis over Mississippi State, 4 o'clock Eastern on ESPN2. All right, Tyler. Um, I put on the pro- on the list, now that we've reached the end of the episode, I put special surprise on the rundown. And this is a special surprise just for you, my friend. Okay. I have decided by Christmas in anticipation of a certain movie that is going to be released, I will be consuming the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. Really? You're doing it? I am. I am doing it. I am doing it. I've been making fun of you and other friends for so many years. It's okay. So many years. And I've decided, you know what? I'm going to give this a fair and just opportunity. I'm going to stop being the elitist artist that I am. Oh, superhero movies aren't good. Um, And I've kind of came to the realization because I have gotten into uh, professional wrestling over the past few months. Uh huh. um, Because I liked it as a kid and my parents didn't let me watch it because they said it was too violent, which good on them. Um, And as an adult – Good parenting, yeah. And as an adult, I've been like, it is literally a combination of sports and theater. Why yeah. have I not been watching this for my entire life? Oh, yeah, my parents never let me. That's why. Um, so now that I've been watching it, I was like, all right, I can't be out here making fun of superhero movies when I'm out here watching grown men in tights basically yeah, do Shakespeare. You're a professional wrestling fan. <laughs> basically glorified stage combat. Like, that's literally yeah. what it is. Yeah. And sometimes they jump off of cages and bleed. That's... That's pretty well, much look, the I mean, I, I'll say, just even as a guy who likes a lot of those movies, I mean, mm-hmm. they're not all winners. <laughs> like, they're not <laughs> so, all winners. So, like, so I told Day Day I was doing this, and he, and the only thing, the first thing he said to me immediately was, skip Holt. You don't need it. You don't need <laughs> it. Okay, so I was on Disney Plus, and they actually, this is not a Disney Plus plug, but if y'all want to drop the bag, because I know y'all I got mean, bags. I wouldn't say no. 
sidelinejudgment.gmail.com. That's also the place where you can subscribe to the newsletter where you can get the napkin, a.k.a. Bring my gambling. back around. Come on. We do it. We're good at this thing, man. Come on. Um, no, I was telling him and I was looking on Disney Plus and they have it organized by phase, including the TV shows that came out. Good. Um, and then they also have it in, in like timeline order. Yeah. So like, some of them, some of them that released more recently go further back into the timeline. Right. right? So for example, um, Captain Marvel is the second movie in the timeline, but came out like last it was, year. It was like the 21st movie. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, so, but so I decided I'm going to watch them in the order they came out with because okay. I want to get the same experience that everyone else got when they watched them. All right. So here's, here's what I'm going to say. All right. I was going to say, I was asking you for some tips. That's okay. part of, uh, so something you're going to lose from this is that for me, phase one's really cool because when the Avengers, the first Avengers came out, what Hold it on, wait, wa- can, can I, can I pause? I'm so sorry. I've seen phase one. Okay, cool. But I saw it a long time ago, so, so I'm going to rewatch them. So the only thing is that like when Avengers came out, it was a big deal because no, that nothing like that had ever been done where they'd built up to it. And then they had accomplished mm-hmm. like that. Um, right. So like the, the effect that is special for me with the Avengers was a certain period of time when I watched it. So okay. it's possible that like it might not be feel as good now. Also, because other movies have been better, Avengers: Infinity War and Avengers: Endgame are great. Mm-hmm. You need, but in order to get the desired effect, you do need to watch all the movies to lead up to it. Um, right. Spider-Man movies are pretty good. Um, Thor: Ragnarok is a lot of people's favorite. It's really funny. Um, okay. My favorite. Two of the top ones are Captain America: Winter Soldier and Captain America: Civil War. To me, Civil War is the best Marvel movie. Um, okay because it does a lot of things different regarding the villain or the a common thing that you're going to find with marvel movies is that their villains are typically not very good from a okay from, from a memorable standpoint like a lot of their villains typically serve the role that they that they pur- purpose but very few of them are memorable um killmonger black Panther is very memorable um what else i'm literally blanking um Thanos obviously is the big one, but like right, right, right. I remember in was it in Phase One or was it, it so the whatever was going on in Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy? I saw the first Guardians yeah. movie, so I remember whatever. Yeah, it, yeah, but like, 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 but Ron, that makes sense. Ronan, Ronan is just there to be there, like because right. They, but like now that you're mentioning it, that makes sense. Like I don't, and that may be one of my things with the Marvel movies before, where like as as a former actor and you know as an artist and stuff like that, like the villain character was always more fun to play because they were more complex. So yeah. when you present to me like a not so memorable villain, I'm like, oh, okay, well, where's the, yeah. you know what I mean? I think uh, well, that may yeah, have been Loki's something. obviously, a, Loki's a fan favorite. I think they did mm-hmm. Loki really well early. Um, mm-hmm. But like, so Captain America Civil War is my favorite just because and I won't give any spoilers. Like it goes about it very differently. There, the, There's not a villain in the same way. It mm-hmm. is about an issue and the heroes are kind of like on their own sides of the issue. And okay. you kind of, it's like, it's a thing where I'm, mean, this is not a big spoiler, but like you expect it to be like, Oh, they have a problem. And at the very end, they're all going to come together to solve a separate third thing. That's actually the big bad. That doesn't okay. happen really. Not truly. Mm-hmm. Like, and the last, the last 20 to 30 minutes of civil war is I think the best 20 to 30 minutes that Marvel's ever done. And I am wow. including like Avengers infinity war and Endgame. Um, Shang-Chi just came out, really enjoyed it. Um, I would wait. And like, what, what's the cool thing you're going to appreciate, I think, is that like now, now in faces Marvel, they can, they've started to do weirder stuff. Um, 
because early it was like establishing all this stuff. And now that everybody's just like, it's comic world, all these superheroes exist, it's fleshed out. They can kind of skip a lot of the steps that don't need to be done. Like origin films, their origin films now are a lot better because they don't have to set up a world outside of, you know, the superhero world. Mm -hmm. It's just like the Avengers exist. Like, yeah, magic exists in this world now. Doctor Strange is another good one. Like, um, okay. But I mean, they're not all winners and most of them are just good. I will say they're not mm-hmm. excellent. I see that as a person who loves superhero movies, but like, yeah, not every one of them is going to be excellent. Uh, the Ant-Man movies are surprisingly hilarious. Like, well, Paul Rudd's in those. So I assumed anything with, Paul Rudd, anything with the Paul Rudd cosign, I think is going to be funny. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, so that yeah. was my little surprise. I, I am, I am in. I am very right, happy. I'm, I'm is this in preparation for uh, for Spider Man No Way Home? It is in preparation for Spider Man. And then when I'm done with the MCU, I'm going to go back and I'm going to watch all of the Spider Mans. I've only seen the Tobey Maguires. Okay. I haven't seen the other ones. Diego told me. My brother Diego told me of a theory that they're kind of all going to come in the same movie. Okay. And so I don't is, know if that's something that's going to happen. So I have to say something in this. I know we've full gone away from sports now. Um, uh-huh. It's been very much rumored that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield will be reprising their roles because there's a lot of contract disputes. Sony wants to take the character of Spider-Man back from Disney. So Sp- uh-huh. Toby, so um, Tom Holland's Spider-Man is not going to be in any more movies, I think, past this No Way Home thing. Okay. But to do that, they're going to – and this next phase of Marvel – like the first the, – the Infinity Saga dealt with the Infinity Stones. And now that that's over, it's largely been theorized and pretty much confirmed that the next wave of like the overarching thing Marvel's going to deal with is the multiverse and timelines and t- like t- further exploration into time travel. Like, Okay. Because those were things that were not really discussed in the previous one and now that's going to take center stage. So because of this success, the commercial success of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which is the greatest comic book movie of all time. Isn't um, that the animated one? Yes, it's not connected to these. It's I saw that one, though. The greatest comic book movie ever. It um, was really good. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Because of the commercial success of that movie, Spider-Verse, like the multiverse, is going to be a way that they approach, I think, getting Spider-Man out of the MCU and back into Sony. And doing Got that it. is theorized that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield will be reprising their roles in this movie, which has been largely denied. However, Alfred Molina and uh, it is confirmed that Alfred Molina as Doc Ock, Jamie Foxx as Electro, and uh, it's pretty much all confirmed. Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin will be appearing in Spider-Man No Way Home. And like Alfred and Molina, Alfred Molina was there's in the smoke, trailer. There's fire. Yeah. I and mean, I'm worried mm-hmm. people because Andrew Garfield keeps saying that he's not in it. And like I fully believe Tobey Maguire is, but if Andrew Andrew Garfield keeps saying he's not in it, and if he ends up not being in it, I don't want people to get mad because he's been saying that he's not. He's like, prepping it. He's like, guys, I'm I'm being I'm not in this thing. Like, <laughs> who knows? And, who knows? So, know. I, so I, I that's just, why. Yeah, that's why I want to watch the Spider Man's because in case that does happen, I can be like, oh, I know what's going on. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, um, I'm not in the theater, and everyone's like, oh my god, and I'm like, hey, is that Tobey Maguire? <laughs> <laughs> What's he doing here? Um, yeah. So. What's Stephen Hawkins doing in this movie? Jeez. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dr- dramatic acting one. major attempts Toby to McGuire's break a producer into- on one of my redacteds, by the way. Really? Yeah. Which one? Uh, redacted three. Redacted three? 
Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I know what Redacted 3 is and you guys don't. <laughs> Soon I think to be that's Redacted a good place 4, to, too. Soon to be Redacted 4. Tyler just stacking up the Redacteds, man. Ooh, very yeah, happy. Baby. Very excited. Um, it's, it's funny. Tyler, they, I think that's a good place to – yeah, so sorry. Yeah, it's funny that like I keep no, getting no, I, like asked to work on these things, but it's like it's in two weeks. Which, if you ever work in the production and entertainment industry, that's an eternity. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah. Well, I'm glad you keep stacking up the redacteds. Um, I'm glad you keep getting them, and I'm glad that we're gonna have um, a good weekend of college football Ooh, yeah, to enjoy. Um, and hopefully the Gators can be competitive. That's what I'm going to go with. Hopefully the Gators can be competitive. I, I hope it is a game into the fourth quarter. I agree. I hope we do the won't back down and uh, we are the boys and have a little bit of optimism when we say them. Yeah. You know, so Tyler, with that being said, uh, do not forget, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, follow us on Apple podcast, follow us on Spotify, follow us on Twitter at SJ underscore podcast and to send your email to sideline judgment at email sideline judgment at gmail.com judgment with there an e it is to sign up for the newsletter which will drop on friday um tyler this has been a wonderful conversation i'm glad that we were able to get one-on-one we went a little bit over time today but we didn't do anything last time That's earlier okay. in the week so i think it's, we made up for it'll it, be all right know? they're, they're, they're necessary manic. conversations about usc and emory jones and ar-15 so i agree With all that being said, Tyler, this has been another episode of Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And we are not biased, but go Gators. Go Gators. Go Gators.